Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Support for Analog Talk comes from the camera culture website casualphotofile.com. With in-depth reviews of interesting cameras and legacy lenses, film news and profiles, industry retrospectives, and a unique editorial perspective. If you're into cameras and photography, this is one of the best blogs around. See more at casualphotofile.com. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's special guest, we have Jason Matson. Hi, Jason. Hello. Thanks for joining us. I'm super excited to talk to you. I kind of mentioned it earlier. You do a really awesome tintype booth that I must have walked by like, I think, four or five times already. And <laughs> haven't gotten the guts to, to get my portrait taken. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got your booth started and all that stuff? See, I started uh, photography in junior high. I had a photography class. And then uh, I didn't really do it too much until uh, I went to college. And I studied for a few years, and I didn't want to be a wedding photographer. Um, <laughs> I know the feeling. And I kind of saw the only way of making a, a living at it at the time. So I kind of put it on hold. And then, uh, I guess it's about 10 years ago, my favorite film started getting discontinued. Uh, being, oh, uh, Tech Pan and uh, P3200, which is back now. Yeah, is, uh, exciting. Kind of exciting. exciting. Yeah. Uh, maybe Tech Pan will come back too. So I, uh, I was also uh, not a student anymore, so I was able to buy all the cameras and gear that I couldn't afford <laughs> as a student, and because uh, I was also working, so not only did I have money, but uh, the pros were dumping their film gear and oh, yeah. uh, yep. going digital, and I didn't really have a desire to go digital or explore digital at all. I, I just... To me, photography has always just been film. So I, I ended up getting a uh, a Canon F1, the one of the cameras I couldn't afford as a student. Man, I love and, that camera. Uh, yeah, a bunch of glass, and uh, it was incredibly inexpensive. And I was uh, it was kind of a perfect storm for me. So the shutter didn't work correctly. So mm. it went in the shop, and uh, I always wanted a Hasselblad. So I'm like, how much are they? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I uh, I found a nice uh, uh, 500 cm with a 150 millimeter lens. I think it was around 700 bucks. Wow! And uh, I had a Hasselblad, and of course I had to get every lens for Hasselblad. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! But I I like the idea of of these camera systems that aren't being made anymore because you can buy everything. And you're done. There, there isn't. Yeah, a, it's something uh, new's not coming out every week for you to have to pick up. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so I, I, I got my Hasselblad kit, and I had always, uh, when I was studying photography, I always wanted a four by five camera, uh, like a speed graphic or chrome mm-hmm. graphic. So I got that, and I said, you know, I'm going to stop here. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. this is this is uh, this is you know, I got to control myself a little bit. Could never um, stop. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, you know, what if I can't buy film anymore? I, I have this gear. Mm-hmm. And by then, I also got a, a 4x5 filled camera. So I looked around for ways to make my own. I looked at the dry plate stuff, and there's a lot of in-the-dark kind of pouring plates and coating plates. And it can get messy. And I looked at daguerreotypes and just thought fumed mercury doesn't sound too safe. No. And mm. and uh, I, I found uh, tintypes, which is the easiest, but you have to do everything on the spot. 
Yeah. So right. it, it, it was it was a fair enough compromise for me to to kind of take my first step into creating, you know, my my own uh, I guess film or capturing medium. And uh, so I, I I got into that a little bit and uh, at the time I was working in visual effects. Most of the work has left and I didn't want to follow it. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I found myself out of a job and with um, a lot of gear to make tintypes. So I, um, I, I'd gone to a friend's wedding and got this flip book thing. And I thought a tintype would be much cooler than oh, yeah. a flip book. And it's going to be something that somebody's going to go home and put, you know, somewhere and say, oh, I got this, you know, at my friend's Joe's wedding. And it's a... Uh, it's really cool, and everybody will look at it, and, and they'll remember the event, and they'll, it's something that they'll treasure, too. So uh, that's when I, I decided that, you know, I'll give this tintype booth a, uh, a try. Yeah, I think we, we did a, uh, like a first big event. We did the Venice Art Walk, which is for the uh, Venice Family Clinic, kind of a fundraiser. And then we, uh, we started, uh, my wife and I... Uh, we started shooting at a little coffee house. Uh, I talked to the owner, and they just were were just opening up, and uh, they had a nice space outside. Um, it was a nice little thing. It's called Bar Nine. Uh, they had great coffee, and he gave me free coffee. And um, how could I resist? Yeah, <laughs> that would have sold me too. Yeah. <laughs> So it so it kind of allowed me to practice setting up the booth and uh, iron things out and get it running smoothly. And then we started looking for other venues. I looked at farmers markets uh, in LA. There's there's a whole bunch. So uh, we ended up looking at a couple. And, and the farmers markets are usually a couple of them are run by some organization. We looked at I think it was the Brentwood one. And there was all these paperwork you could fill out, which is I, I I like doing photography, but the business of photography yeah. oh, isn't yeah. photography. I think we all that's struggle business. with that. Yeah. So I went to Hollywood Farmers Market, and all they really required was a, a very minimal application and a, a state uh, tax number uh, for sales tax. And I'm like, that's great. So um, we we had a, another venue. And that was at the Hollywood Farmer's Market. And it, it started out a little slow, and then it got busier, and then a little bit slow again. Um, so I, I kind of felt, discovered that to do it, you could quickly saturate a little local market. But if you come back once in a while, it, it uh, people see it, and, and uh, they're like, oh, you're not going to be here next week, so I want to get it done now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So in... So that uh, so I started kind of going to a couple different markets. Um, at the time, when I was really on the on my my circuit, it was uh, Hollywood Farmers Market. I think at the end of the month, on the third weekend, we were doing Artists and Fleas, which at the time was downtown for a two day thing, which was nice because we could set up on Saturday, tear down on Sunday, and we could leave the gear there overnight. It was guarded oh nice it was a good crowd that came through there and then uh beginning of the month we were at melrose trading posts for the first two sundays yeah that's where i always spot you melrose yeah. i love that one and then uh uh we do occasional events uh we'll do private events and uh we've been doing dapper day which is a uh a dress dapper and go to disneyland uh day yeah which uh is is a great venue they the uh People organized it, started this uh, expo, so people could uh, buy clothes and accessories and uh, the day before, and then go to Dapper Day the next day. So uh, everybody's nice, nicely dressed. I was going to say, you uh, must get, get some, a lot of, some really awesome portraits when everybody's all dressed up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just—it's just a bunch of fun too. That that's that's really great. Can you explain? Just because I I don't even know the whole like the the process of what goes into I guess making these prints yeah it's um it, it starts out um traditionally uh it was uh some kind of metal um they called it tin type but it was sometimes a steel plate or something and they would coat it with this asphalt compound um you can also do it on glass 
yeah. uh, clear glass or, or black glass. Clear glass, you can actually make a negative. Um, that was part of my idea, too, was um, I'll do this process, and I can do negatives, and I can do contact mm-hmm. printing. Mm-hmm. All this technology from the early days in photography yeah. that I, I wouldn't need film. I could make my own, and I could make my own prints. I can do salt prints or carbon prints or um, even the, the palladium uh, prints, things like that. So it, it, uh, it, it's the, the modern tintype is a aluminum plate with a, a black enamel coating on it. And the, the black parts are important that it serves as a black part of the image where uh, a modern photograph, when you print it, the silver acts as a black part of the image and the white part's the paper. So the, the white part in a tintype comes from the silver. You, you have a, a salted collodion. So collodion is nitrocellulose. They always, uh, it's, called, it's called gun cotton. Um, it's, uh, it's used in makeup a little bit to do fake scars. It's also uh, used in liquid bandage. So it's that oh, same no stuff. Huh. Um, so it's, it's uh, cut with ether and alcohol. So that makes it in, in, a, it's, uh, in a liquid state. Um, and then added to it are salts, and the salts uh, contain bromine and iodines, um, and can be different. There's there's ammonia salts, or um, some people use lithium salts. Cadmium is is a popular salt too. What happens is that's that's in the collodion. You coat the surface of the plate, and it's coated just by pouring it on and pouring it off. So it's a real thin coat that goes into a silver nitrate bath, which reacts with the the bromine and iodine salts and form silver halides, which is in modern film today. It's the same base uh, type of light sensitive material. It's, it's a, a primitive form of that. So modern f- film, they add things to extend the sensitivity. They let the crystals grow bigger. Um, this is just real primitive. So it takes a lot of light and it's also only sensitive to blue light. Uh-huh. So I, uh, so you either have a uh, longer exposure, or I use a uh, high-powered flash, which also helps with animals and kids. Yeah. Um, so uh, so once it's, it's sensitized, ready to go, it goes into a holder, into the camera. Uh, I take the picture. So everything's happening on the plate. And then I go back into the dark room where I have a, a dark box, which is uh, three pieces of plywood and some... Uh, um, black material going around to cover up the other sides and then it's developed and the developing is uh, uh, an iron sulfate solution most of the chemicals are, are pretty benign the i mean i guess the, the cadmium is is a little iffy um and the ether and alcohol is flammable as well as the nitrocellulose um but the developer itself is basically vinegar and uh, iron sulfate which if you look at iron supplement, is the same thing in iron supplement. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, sometimes you add sugar to it, too, to help it slow down if it's a warm day. Um, and a little alcohol helps it spread. And, of course, water is the, the base of it. So you pour that right over the plate, and uh, you can see the image come up. And then you use uh, just water as a stop bath to rinse it off. And then once it's rinsed off, you can bring it out into the light. And uh, it's getting exposed, but because you're not going to develop it again, it's okay. And it's just a short time, and that's when it goes into the fixer bath. You can use normal photo fixer, or you can use potassium cyanide, which I don't use because I have a lot of kids running around sometimes the yeah. booth, and uh, we, we don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or let them hurt themselves. So in there, what it comes out looking like is kind of a negative on a white background. So the negative part is the silver that has become metallic silver and developed. And the white part is the the silver halides that haven't been developed. And when it goes into the fixer, it removes that undeveloped silver and it starts exposing the black background. And the metallic silver that's there that was darker than the white part is also reflective and brighter than the black part. So oh, it's actually a negative, but because silver is reflective, it appears positive. So after the fixer, it's um, it gets washed to basically remove the fixer. 
and then uh, it's warmed up a little bit to help it dry and also to apply um, the final varnish. So when it's a little bit warm, the varnish goes on nice and smooth. And uh, some people ask, you know, is this glass? Because it, it has a nice shiny look to it. And that varnish uh, protects it from tarnishing and scratches and things like that. And uh, that's about it. And it should last for hundreds of years or at least longer than me. So Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still finding tintypes in like antique stores and stuff all the time. I always see them in those little holders. Yeah. I've watched a million YouTube videos on the whole process. There's a couple people. I think his name's like Barut Portaline or whatever his name is. He's like a Slovenian guy who does a lot of the old process stuff. Um but it's, I remember there was a guy here locally that was getting rid of all of his stuff, all of his tin type stuff. He had a, you know, he had a little thing kind of like you do. He does like a, like pop-up shops and he'll do little photo booth things and he was giving it up. He was hanging up his hat, but, uh, somebody had jumped in line before me. I was, oh, you know, I was fifth on the list. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, I was, I was too far down on the list to be, <laughs> to be picked for it. But it, it was cool. Cause once he was, you know, once I knew that I maybe, you know, if that guy fell out and the other guy didn't want it, I was going to get a phone call. So I started looking up the chemicals to what, and just hearing, you know, you list everything. It, it's, it's refreshing my mind of the research I was doing on, cause it, <laughs> this is definitely up my alley. Like I'm into, it's funny calling it alternative process. Cause it's really like the original process yeah yeah but uh you know i always i i love stuff like that like the more gritty and weird you can get with it like i'm i'm 100 behind it but yeah i just remember the the guy said on the website like you'll probably get put on like a government watch list by ordering these chemicals (laughs) but other than that they're like pretty easy to find yeah Yeah, (laughs) i haven't had any real hard problems finding uh chemicals Originally, I, I just got a, a kit from uh, Bostock and Sullivan or Bostick, and I, I figured when when I started, I'd, I'd kind of buy everything, let everybody do, see what everybody has done, the iteration and developing, yeah, uh, different components of it, and then start incorporating my own stuff and modifying it for what I found. Um, I, I still I, I've made collodion a few times, but uh, I usually just buy it. I, I get my collodion from UV Photographics. Um, I need to he, write that down. He's, <laughs> he's basically at at the time I was thinking about researching and and trying to develop my own collodions, and mm-hmm. he kind of beat me to it. And I thought, well, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. He's already done the things I was right. going to try. So, and it's just as easy to buy it from somebody than sourcing all the chemicals and putting it together in small yeah. batches. And uh, I. Yeah, fixer. I either use uh, the plain crystals or uh, just like a rapid fix or something from Freestyle. I, I um, when it, when I was originally studying film, I lived in the San Fernando Valley, and it was a little bit of a drive to Hollywood to Freestyle. Yeah. And now <laughs> I live in Hollywood, and I can walk to Freestyle. Oh, so it's, uh, that's it. the best. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I um, and I mix my own developer now too, depending on. And that changes depending on temperature and things like that as well. Right. So it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been a, a little bit of an adventure of of incorporating my own formulas and stuff into the process. How long does it take once you like take the photo to all the way finished product for you to get back to the customers? It, it's about a half an hour. Um, if I'm really on top of it, I can maybe squeeze it to closer to twenty minutes. Um, but I usually I'll, I'll take somebody's picture and I'll tell them to come back in about 20, 30 minutes. Um, and for markets and things, they can walk around, look at the market and come back. Right, right, right. How is it at weddings? You just I guess you just kind of keep moving forward. Everybody just comes back and assembly line kind of thing. Yeah, at a wedding or, or an event where um, I have a higher throughput, usually I'll have maybe four or five people helping me out. Um, oh, cool. I'll have that makes uh, it easier. somebody yeah. who's, who's just coating plates and loading them, uh, another person who's developing them, and then somebody going through the wash and somebody doing the varnish, and it's just kind of a conveyor belt. With that, I can do probably about 20 to 25 an hour. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's smoking I'm, right I'm there. I'm just on the camera just, just uh, yeah. banging away. My eyes are like going crazy from the flash. Yeah. And, that sounds yeah, fun, though. fun. To like, yeah, be, you know, be like, I'm the like my my job is to coat the plate, and then I'll pass it along. Coat the plate, pass it along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 usually an intense couple of hours. 
Um, and I'm, I'm kind of just going through, watching everybody in the process, making sure things are coming right. out, seeing how the plates are coming out, making little adjustments and exposure and things like that. That just sounds like so much fun to have that at your wedding. Like, yeah, that was the, like, the, that's what the I'd cool want. couple that gets the tintype guy for the wedding. Like, that yeah. was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This now, last wedding we did it, we were basically off kind of on the dance floor almost. Yeah. And <laughs> nice. people, were, yeah. people were just coming through and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What size do you do? Four, four by five? Yeah. Mostly when I'm yeah. out, I, I do four by five. Um, I also do eight by 10, but uh, I, I normally just do that in studio and I haven't had an access to studio yet. Since the beginning of a, the year, a friend of mine is in a space and she's been uh, promising to move out next month, every month for <laughs> the beginning of the year. Oh, no. Um, Torture. But it might, it might be happening soon. So uh, I might have a studio. Oh, that'd um, be great. And that'll mean uh, 8 by 10 again. And also I'll, I'll build out a dark room into the studio. Oh, so yeah. there'll, there'll be no box. It'll, uh, it'll be a dark room with... Um, kind of baffled entrance so no doors or curtains just uh walk in and walk out and uh, i also have space to uh build a bigger camera so i have uh, i have a lens i have a back and i have some plates for uh 20 by 24 so wow that is awesome that's that's the uh the next step when i have some space See, that's that's what I love about this stuff, man. I love that you can just the the weird sizes that they had back in the day too. It's just uh. yeah. All the I was looking, there was quarter plate, half plate, full plate, mm-hmm. and, and then Dang. some of the lenses are are just huge. Um, I've seen some that are, I mean, baby sized, and they cost twenty grand today. And wow, I, I uh, wow, yeah. But uh, I mean. I, I use, uh, for the big camera, just aircraft reconnaissance, aerowack tar-type lenses. I have a lot of gear. I got uh, <laughs> I got, I got that, the, the, uh, the gear act with uh, gas. I got gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as far as 4x5 lenses, my, my widest is a uh, 47 millimeter. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And uh, when you take a picture of the sky and you look at the image, it, it just feels like it's going over your head. Around you. Um, yeah. yeah. That's it's, wild. It's really, really a wide lens. There's not too much movement on it. Um, I also have the 72 millimeter. Uh, both of those are, are the Schneider um, XLs. And that has a lot more movement to it. I haven't shot with that one too much. Um, but the 47 is like, if you ever want wider and you get that or you shoot something, you're like, I wish it was a little wider. I wish it was, and you shoot something with a 47 you're like, okay, that's it. You know, that's it. It. <laughs> yeah. don't need to go wider than that. Um, oh man. Now, do you shoot, do you shoot any of the, the wet plate or the, the tintype stuff for like personal stuff? Like, do you get to do any, you know, landscapes or anything like that? Do, or, are you, or is it just strictly portrait stuff? I, I have in the past, um, a few times I went out and just loaded stuff up in the car and, uh, I shot the, there's a cement factory on La Brea. I have a nice shot of that. I got a couple shots of the Hollywood sign. I went up one of the roads oh, that says cool. no access to the Hollywood sign. Oh, yeah. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to let the big secret out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all roads lead to the Hollywood sign. Um, so I, I got a couple of that. I want to go back with a bigger camera and get a couple of the Hollywood sign. But it's it, it's still far away from where you shoot. So it, it, it really needs a longer lens for the larger format mm-hmm. to get it a nice size. But, uh, yeah, I've been meaning to go out and shoot, shoot some more just uh, LRA scenery type things. Um, uh, every once in a while, like if I'm set up somewhere, I think the last time we were doing 8x10, shot some still life flowers and things like that. There's one uh, I shot a series of five of my cameras. I think I shot about five of each. So I have a... Uh, there's a Hasselblad 1600F in that series. There's a Roloflex, the 28C, my Bessa RF. Hmm. Um, and then uh, what else was there? There was a, one of my speed graphics with my Pentec lens on it. 
and my eight by ten Deerdorf. Oh, what did I have on? I think I had my Arrow Ektar four five on there. Or not Arrow Ektar, the uh, just the Ektar Kodak Ektar four five. Isn't so. the, the- isn't the Aero Ektar, isn't that like the radioactive lens or something like that? Isn't, yeah, isn't there one that's radioactive well, or yeah, something? Yeah, some of the Aero Ektars, even some of the Canon lenses, the old Canon 55mm, um, there's a thorium glass, which I, I, I actually, because I have a couple of those lenses, I, I did a little research, and uh, <laughs> if you don't sleep with it uh, next to your yeah, bed, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're pretty safe. Um, they do turn a little red or yellow. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. So you, you want to, um, you can either leave them in the sun or, or UV light gets rid of that. Uh, oh, that whoa, yellow. that's crazy. Yeah, and there's there's like some thorium reactors that they're trying to do, and it's like they make lenses out of this stuff. And now that's they have so reactors. nuts. Yeah. That radioactive <laughs> lenses out there. Yeah. Oh, man. Only in photography. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, and what else? Uh, there's a dandelion uh, picture that uh, we took. So some of these, I've also uh, scanned and made engineering prints out of them that I sell at the oh, booth. Oh, great! Yeah, I was just going to ask, do you sell any of of this these works? Because that just sounds awesome. To yeah. So uh, usually at the booth, I have uh, a little box with just these tin types that I've taken that people can buy. So um, a couple of the Roloflex tin types have sold pretty quick. I think somebody might have bought a House of Blood one. Yeah. I, was, uh, I also like, took, will, you take, will you take portraits of my cameras? <laughs> sure, Tiny type. Sure. <laughs> uh, I've also, um, I've also did the trick where you, you take a picture of a picture and I have a, uh, a tin type of the earth rising above the moon. That's oh, nice shot. Yeah. So I have a couple of those. Uh, one had this really cool artifact on the top of it, this this wisp. Somebody came by and they, they wanted to buy that one and and I was just it was it was hard to let it go Ooh. because oh, yeah. it's like name your price. It's, yeah, <laughs> it, it had this nice wisp on it and he wanted to buy some other stuff too, so I was like, Okay, you know, like keep the customer happy, he's buying a lot of stuff. You can Yeah. <laughs> it's it's tough letting go of the babies. Yeah. Especially with that, like, I couldn't even imagine with, you know, you get one, like you said, I guess you do scans and, you know, you can make prints and stuff, but overall, like, it's it's one plate, mm-hmm. one image, you know, like, that's that's as real as it gets right there, you know? I, li- I yeah, like that that's... for, like, the art aspect of it, though. It's like this is oh, the original, Oh, yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah. And th- this particular one had this artifact on it that isn't easy to recreate. All the I mean, it's hard to recreate the same artifact over and over. Yeah. And it was just this kind of wisp right at the top, and it wasn't touching the earth, and it, it just added this little extra to it that, you know, it's, it's this tintype artifact of yeah. the earth rising over the moon, and it just kind of all fit together, and it's gone somewhere. I, I think it went to Texas, maybe. I don't know. No oh, man. He's probably still enjoying it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True, um, which is good. Jason, do you have any advice for people who might want to get like into this process? I'm sure it's super challenging, but it seems very rewarding as well. So I kind of, kind of, sometimes a little bit of a lone wolf. So I kind of just uh, researched it a lot. I I got a kit and just kind of figured it out on my own. And as issues would come up, I'd either research or, or try to find somebody, you know, ask. A lot of people I know usually take workshops. Oh and, yeah. Um, and it kind of introduces you the whole process and also puts you in you know, contact with somebody who, who does the process that you can later go back and ask questions to or, or just go back and shoot some more with. I, me personally, just going through it, I, you know, there's, as, as far as fast lenses go, there's about four or five. And I kind of researched those and looked for the look that I was after camera-wise uh, the speed graphic is is great if it, you want to get one with the um, the flash sync on it. Helps a lot if you're shooting with yeah. flash. If you just want to use natural light and you're doing landscapes, you don't really need a fancy lens. Um, some of the faster lenses cost more, but you can you can get by with like a, a nice five six lens. Um, even slower than that is is fine if you you know you could do four 
four minute exposures and, and really get a lot of light that way. Oh, cool. And chemistry, there's a couple of people selling chemistry, you know, get full kits with it. Uh, what else? The, the other equipment, uh, you know, dunk tanks and stuff like that, people sell. You can even use trays. When, when I first, first tintype I did was uh, New Year's Eve. Usually New Year's Day, my friend has a New Year's Day party brunch type of thing. In the last couple of years, we were uh, bringing different instant film and just taking pictures of people at the party and, you know, Happy New Year, here's a, a Polaroid type of thing. And uh, so I, I had this kit and I hadn't really used it. And it's New Year's Eve and my wife and I are like, ah, we don't need to go out and get drunk, you know, let's uh, figure out how to make a tintype instead. So I love uh, that. <laughs> we just kind of... You know, I, I had a cardboard box and I had a, uh, a changing bag and I, I cut it and used that as the hood for this box. And inside the box, I put a little tray. I had a four by five or five by seven tray. So I put the silver nitrate in there and I made a little box cover for it to protect it from the light when I went in and out of the box. Um, it didn't work so well but it worked oh, no. enough <laughs> um and I, I made i made a tintype and uh we're like okay we're gonna bring this tomorrow to the party and, and we're gonna make tintypes of people and it was just available light and it was outside and it was leaking so they weren't the greatest <laughs> tintypes but uh it, it worked and it was a lot of fun Man, so, I um, bet that was so much fun. I love how exciting that stuff is, like when you first do something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's that route of just kind of experimenting and figuring out how to make this work, you know, when you actually do it. Like trial uh, and versus, error. Yeah, versus going to a workshop and seeing somebody else who's already gone through that and then showing you, you know, this works. This is a way to do it that works. So, I mean, depending on somebody's personality, uh, what they like to do, depending on how you want to do it, either way can can work for you. Man. That's awesome. Kind of reminds me of like you know the, the infancy of photography and when people were like really figuring this out for like the first time, you know, ma- making this magic happen and ugh, it's just incredible, you know, to to think yes. that that's where it started and now we have what we have now, you know, it's just really yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I have some theories on how they started figuring out photography <laughs> because um, you you do i mean some people wear gloves every once in a while i used to wear gloves i don't so much but anyway you'll get silver nitrate on your hands i noticed if i get it on my hands at night it wouldn't turn my fingers black and i also noticed when i'm in the shower i look at my hands and it's a little white i'm like what what is it why is it white what's going on here (laughs) and i'll go out in the sun and it'll turn dark Whoa. And I can just uh, imagine somebody, you know, back, yeah, way back when, going like doing. Wait a second, and, <laughs> and like nothing happens. They go out in the sunlight, and they're like, "My hands are turning black." And running back inside, putting more on. Yeah, going running outside, getting their friend. Hey, look, my hand turns black. <laughs> what can we do and, with this? And then, like, look, if I cover it up with one finger. Where my finger is didn't turn back right away, and uh, yeah, just taking it from there. But uh, too funny, yeah. It's a uh, definitely magic, and I'm glad that you know people like you are keeping that that process and the old processes alive. Yeah. You know, because we gotta remember where it all came from and keep it going. Exactly. I'm just happy to hear that there's kits out there. Like just the fact that you said that tonight. Like I am now again back on this train of like I need to, like by the end of the year I need to have something pushing me towards doing this. I really want to get into the whole like wet plate and you know tin type and collodion and mm-hmm. I I'm just that that's that's where my mind's at. I I really get into that to that stuff i love getting dirty with it i just wish it since we moved into this apartment that i'm into i kind of lost my dirty bathroom i had a nice little bathroom that i could destroy but i can still destroy this bathroom i just have to clean it up afterwards (laughs) yeah usually i I have some big trays and i'll put yeah when i'm when i'm in the bathroom i'll just put a big tray on the counter and put everything in there and Mm -hmm. you you still get little spots sometimes when you're when you're cleaning the plate off the the silver nitrate will splatter around a little bit if you're not careful or when you're pouring it the little drips will come off from that so it's uh 
but at the same time, it's fun, you know. So yeah, make a little oh, yeah. Less. heck yeah. Yeah, Timothy, I feel like that's like your next road is all that stuff. Yeah. Like that's where you're at. I feel like it. It needs to happen. It needs yeah. to because like I'm really, I'm really back to wanting to do portraits and stuff again too. I was just so burned out of doing it that I had to kind of take a step back. But now I'm, you know, I'm getting hungry, hungry like the wolf again. So mm-hmm. it's I when I originally studied photography, we had some portrait assignments and i absolutely hated doing portraits <laughs> it was so I, I just okay. didn't like it i'd do it i turned in the picture and i like okay and when i started doing this process i really i like doing portraits mm. and i two things i like about it is there's, there's no editing it's like yeah so, I mean, for some people, that's more pressure because you really have to capture the portrait. Um, oh, yeah. And the sure. second part is I get to see it with the subject at the same time. And it's like we both watch it appear in the fixer, and it's a surprise for both of us, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have an idea what it's going to look like. Usually they have no idea what it's going to yeah, look yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, And, uh... And most of the time, everybody likes it. So it's uh, it's uh, that aspect of the whole tintype portrait thing is a lot of fun. Man, I, so I guess I, I'm sitting here thinking about you know how you do the photo booth and stuff like that. There's I guess there's no way to archive you know somebody's tint like if Chris would go to you on a Sunday at this thing like you don't get a copy of that picture. You know she does. She takes it, and it's just kind of a. I don't know. I don't know how you let stuff go like that. I I need like every little bit that I do all the time, especially because, you know, it'd be cool to you're, you know, you're hitting your 70s and you'd like to do like a retrospect of all these portraits or something like that. Like how uh, how does that yeah, make you feel in a way? Does it does it kind of does it hurt you to let them go a little bit or do, um, are you just kind of like over that whole thing? Yeah, originally when I started I needed money, so it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, you want to buy this? Great, you know. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> I want to pay my rent, so it's yeah. uh, um, that aspect made it easy. Um, now it's it's. Uh, I, I usually will snap a picture of them with my iPhone. Oh yeah, for Instagram stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, smart. I, I didn't even I, think of that. <laughs> I invent. So originally, when I was taking it, there's reflections and stuff. So. I basically invented this black card that I use to get rid of the reflections and get a really nice picture. If you look at my Instagram feed, you can see the early ones have reflections and the later ones don't. And it's oh. using this, this card contraption that I, uh, I came up with. But at parties and things, uh, usually we'll, we'll scan the plates. And oh, okay. We'll scan yeah. them before they're varnished, so they, they scan really well. Yeah. Um, if we scan them after they're varnished, there's probably a good chance it would stick to the glass. Ooh. Um, um, so, and, and from there, I'll, I'll usually make an album for for whoever had the party, too. So, it's, uh, oh, so cute. They, they have a record of, you know, the tintypes because, yeah, they, they go to their friends and they're they're gone. So, it's uh, it's like, well, what, what did you do at the party? You know, there's no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's all the pictures I took. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a nice thing for them to, to have. Yeah. For their wedding. That's awesome. Well. Okay, good. You, you calmed my anxiety down this yeah. whole time. I'm thinking you, you don't save any of them, but now that now I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah some of the, some of the ones, uh, when I first started the booth, I, I don't have at all. I don't have, uh, I have some like even pictures. a cell phone shot or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Some, I don't have cell phone shot. Some, my, my wife took pictures of people with their tintype. So, oh, okay. uh, awesome. that's, there's some of those, but, but there aren't necessarily real close ups of the tintype itself. It's still nice to have a little photo of a photo. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we'll be right back with our listener question after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to PolaroidOriginals.com and use the offer code ANALOGTALK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. All right, guys, this is part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Everett Malloy. And he asks, do you feel as if film will have its, and he has this in parentheses, will have its second fallout in the next few years? I, I don't think so i i I see 
most of the people manufacturing film now have gone through their their scaling back bankruptcies restructuring <laughs> yeah and they they seem to be in in really stable positions i think they also have a, a feeling that you know if we aren't careful this could happen again mm-hmm. so yeah. from a business standpoint i think they're a little more careful and have an idea that we aren't the only kid in town kind of thing and even with, uh, I mean, Kodak is, is reintroducing the Actachrome. They just came out with the P3200. I, I think there's a growing demand for it as well. And I, I think people will always be after that nostalgia. And just that uh, the, uh, the the other thing I got into tintypes was it, it's this tangible image. Mm-hmm. And uh, and film is also that tangible image that it's it's something you touch, you print it out, and, and you have a picture in your hand. It's like you have a thousand pictures in your cell phone, and it's like, mm-hmm. when have you looked through all of them? Um, but if you have a few pictures on your wall, it's like that's something you see every day, and it's it, you can touch it. You, sometimes you stop and look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think... Film wouldn't be around at all if there wasn't this this uh, desire to have a tangible image. I so agree. It's going to be around. What do you think, Timothy? What he said, you know, it kind of, uh, it just, they, they finally figured out. Because when we had Dave Bias on, he was talking about how, you know, they were, if they would stop the machine at, uh, I forget if he, what he said, like Kodak or something like that. They, they would run like millions of yards or miles or feet or something, whatever it was, yeah. a second. And like, they definitely don't need to produce it like that anymore. But now that they're kind of figuring it out, and I mean, I, we've, we've had this discussion, I think, a couple times on the show and talked about how, you know, I feel like every other day I see a new kid walking down the street mm-hmm. with a film camera that's in... I mean, hey, it might just be a quick fad that he's going through, yeah. or maybe he found his dad's camera and wants to put a couple rolls through it. But still, that's sparking... You know, he's buying more film. He's paying to get it developed. It's it's keeping the process alive. And I think, you know, there's so many... There's so many new films popping up. Like, every other week, I feel like, you know, Japan Camera Hunter's putting out film. Uh, Solbera and, mm-hmm. you know, the Film Photography Project podcast guys, they always find old stocks and kind of, like, repurpose them. And, you know, I... I don't think it's going anywhere. I think now that they finally figured out that it's like a niche business, it's a mm-hmm. it's a kind of an artistic that you know, we're they're they're feeding the artistic want and desire right. of this thing and you know, and a lot of people are coming back to it too that have shot digitally for the last like decade because you know, they're finding that it's less editing. You know, you don't really have to edit as much. And I, I don't know, it's it's resurging. And I think it will kind of hit a plateau in a way. And those who are, you know, like Diehards. us, yeah. we're, we're going to keep we're going to keep going and keep using it. And they're just going to keep making it for us. So it's I think we're OK. I think, you know. I mean, Fuji, yeah, I think the next Fuji stock will drop and fall off and we'll lose them. You know, they don't really care. But Kodak, <laughs> you can tell how invested Kodak is yeah. with their with their community. You know, they have groups and, and all kinds of stuff. They're doing photo walks every week. Like, they're invested in this thing. And that's what I feel like a lot of these, you know, same with japan camera hunter he's invested in his community he's doing a bunch of stuff he's looking to make a camera like it's more than just you know a multi-million dollar industry pushing out a product it's like no they're 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 kind of they're kind of feeding a want and a need and a you know they're like a paintbrush for these people so it's and god and if it does like i need to start learning alternative process stuff too because you know, <laughs> yeah. if it does go away like i'm screwed so yeah I, I'm ready. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess like same like what you guys said, especially like with the with. I mean, I started a new Instagram called LA Camera Style because I see them everywhere. Every like their film cameras yeah. are really, which is makes me so happy to see. You know, and I always when I t- you know I, I approach these people like, oh, I love your camera. Like, could I take a picture of it for this Instagram? And then we end up talking about it. You know, like I saw a kid with a Contax T uh, three today. And uh, mm, we were just like obsessing nice. over it, like you know. I was like, "Oh, you got it in gold." He's like, "Yeah, I had to." Like, I love it. I, I dropped it once. I almost <laughs> died. I was like, "No, don't drop it!" Like, you know. So it's just like, I think the the 
the resurgence is definitely back. It may plateau. The people who are, aren't like really into it maybe will kind of pick it up and put it back down. But I think, you know, the diehards were here and we're not going anywhere. So I think it's here to yeah. stay. Hopefully. It's, <laughs> it's just cool though, too, because, you know, I had developed two rolls of film for a customer that comes into the restaurant I work at. I developed two rolls for him because he was like, I was in Cuba. I took these disposable cameras and do you mind developing those for me? And I was like, no, I don't care. That'd be great. And then I send them back to him and he's like, I totally forgot. I When I sent him the photos, I was like, because it was his buddy that shot him. It wasn't him. He's a photographer and it was his buddy who shot him. And a lot of the pictures were blurry and weird because it was a non-photographer using a disposable film camera. Like your chances of making a great photo with a disposable camera are already like pretty shoddy. So, mm-hmm. and I, before I sent him the photos, I was like, remember that your buddy probably is so used to his cell phone that he was kind of moving around and wiggling yeah. and not using proper light. I was like, but the ones that nailed it, like the beautiful seascape and the colors of Cuba and, yeah. and all that stuff, he was just blown away he was like that's what and i was like man i got a handful of cameras and a fridge full of film if you ever want to like come back over to this side of things (laughs) that's awesome i got you buddy i got you but he's he's definitely intrigued now he really wants to you know he's sick i see him sitting at the end of our bar all the time editing tons of you know event photos he does like event photography and you know he'll second shoot weddings and stuff and he's just like spending six hours the the amount of time i'm there and he's not even halfway done and it's like yeah i develop it scan it maybe straighten it out a little bit take out that one cat hair that got in there and (laughs) it's beautiful you know like it's done i don't have to do anything so I don't know, man. I think I think I don't think it's going anywhere for a while. All right, Jason. This is uh, the part of the show where we ask the tough question. If you had to pick one camera as your favorite camera, what would it be and why? Desert Ooh. Island. Desert <laughs> Island camera. Yeah. About six months ago, I got a uh, a Fuji GW six ninety. Oh man, I've been looking for one at a reasonable <laughs> price too. That's crazy. I, I I traded film for this one. So it was, uh, I bought the film a little while ago for a really good deal. So it was a really good price, but I'm really liking it. It's, I mean, it's borderline that and a Hasselblad. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think right now it's, it is the, the Fuji, the Fuji 690 and it's the GS or not the S it's the GW3. Yeah. GW. So it's the, the plasticky one, mm-hmm. but it, uh, the lens is really nice on it. It just it just shoots great. It's, it's simple. There's no battery at all. It's uh yeah, it's a really nice camera. That's pretty too. That's two weeks in a row. Our last guest, Daniel. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. I'm intrigued now. <laughs> Ever since we were talking to him about it, I've been, like, eyeing him up. I'm watching, like, 12 of them on eBay right now. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Yeah, I was looking looking for one for a while. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the other end is Hasselblad. I have have the whole Hasselblad suite. And then I I went to the focal plane shutter stuff, too. So I have some of those. If you ever get a chance, try a Hasselblad with the fisheye. It's it's really... It's really sharp. I mean, the the Zeiss glass is always really good, but the fisheye. I I have the Russian version of the medium format fisheye, and it's night and day difference. The contrast, the sharpness, and everything. And it's uh, I've done portraits with it and just other stuff, and it it just really it really performs. But yeah, yeah. Right now, it's it's probably from grabbing a camera. It's that Fuji. Awesome. I like it. Well, this has been awesome, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for this having is, this me. Was this was awesome was a lot of talking fun. about all this uh, the old school stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's almost that. something you can just talk about for hours and hours. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, time always flies when we Seriously, do Seriously, we're like, I'm like, well, we'll talk for 40 <laughs> minutes. And I'm like, oops, it's been over an hour. <laughs> Where can everybody uh, check out your stuff? Do you have a website besides Instagram? Um, or uh, Instagram, I... I I, I'm really bad at posting stuff, but Instagram's probably um, where I post most of my tintype work. I've been throwing around the idea of starting to post some more film stuff on there. There's there's a few film pictures in there, um, but that's Jason Mads on Instagram, M-A-D-S, and uh, I have an old Flickr somewhere, but uh, <laughs> it's old stuff. 
And uh, but yeah, Jason Mads on Instagram is probably the best. If people want to see more film stuff, just say hey, post some more film stuff. Love that. And, uh, I'll, I'll mix it up a little bit so it's not all just tintype portraits. Timothy, what about you? Guys, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Timothy Makeups. You can also head over to youtube.com slash Timothy Makeups Ditzler, the I-T-Z-L-E-R. I do some film photography related videos. I do another little podcast called We Believe in Film that's over there. You can also find that on SoundCloud audio only. And, uh... Yeah, that's about it for me. Chris, where are you at? So I'm Crispy Photo on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm Crispy Shoots Film on Instagram for all my film photography work and the L.A. camera style. If you guys want to see me stalking people with cameras in L.A., you can check that out. <laughs> um, we are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook group you can join and a page you can like. Uh, also, you guys can send us emails, uh, Analog Talk Pod cast at gmail.com for questions and stuff like that we love hearing from you guys and yeah definitely that's it for us awesome jason thanks again for joining us this was this again this is a blast you're welcome all right guys so first off i'd like to thank jason for being on the show thanks a lot for explaining tintype and your process with us that was that was awesome it was kind of almost like a dream come true for me because i've been really Really, really, really wanting to get into the process of, you know, wet plate and tintype and all that stuff. But guys, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. We have a bunch of perks over there. You can donate anything from $1 to, I think, like $25. We got a bunch of little tiers. You can get stickers, pins. We're going to be doing group chats. We're going to be doing live streams. Uh, Chris and I are even throwing around the, the possibility of a meetup this summer. So... Head on over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Any little bit helps, you know, keeping the dream alive. So, guys, until next week, take care, keep shooting, and we'll see you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.